Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I'm, I'm sure I told everybody good morning to, like twice. <laughs> to say I'm nervous is an understatement. So um, I'm just really happy to be able to share my word with y'all today. And I do want to tell y'all that for those of y'all that know, um, do you remember Geneva's challenge about her car driving? Like if you want to have some fun, get in the car with her. So I got to experience that. <laughs> but I will tell you that I prayed two weeks before I knew this was going to happen. And we were safe. So I survived. I'm a survivor. Start a club. <laughs> so um, what we're going to be talking about today is uh, about game changers. And so for the past few weeks, we've, um, we've learned about how when we journey with God, we have to document everything, talking about how we need to build our altars in the moments that we run into difficult times. Like and God comes through, we have to remember to build an altar. And so that when we run through another obstacle or another issue at that point, um, we'll remember the altar that God got us through that last battle. Um, and so that was something that, you know, y'all are going to really be, uh, we had no idea what each of us were teaching. So I had already had mindset when we had already decided what we were doing weeks and weeks ago. So it was really amazing to me how God is so good because he literally like everything that each of everybody has talked about led up to what I want to talk about today. So God is good. Amen. Um, so the next thing we were going to, we talked about with, uh, uh, Justin was in our inheritance, right? And when I thought about it, about our inheritance, it was, it really just moved me, right? Because if we think about um, God is a king, right? So if God's a king, that means we are royalty. So if y'all did not know that today, y'all are royalty. So you are the son of a king, a daughter of a king. And that gets me excited to be like, dang, I knew I was always royalty. Nobody knew, <laughs> but I knew. So that just confirms it, just so y'all know. So, and then we learned about putting our armor on because when you start following God, it gets tough out there and it's difficult. Um, and so one of the things that we talked about um, that Jaden talked to us about was putting our armor and making sure if we took it off that we put it back on last week. And so, you know, it, I really going back and thinking about that, like I started thinking about how we really do have to put our breastplate of righteousness on to protect our heart from emotions and things that can hurt us. We got to put our belt of truth to protect our lower half of our body, um, our shoes of peace, because when you're walking in a battle, you want peace. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's something that I'm like, you know, I would never walk outside my house without no shoes. I mean, maybe to the mailbox, but not not to the store. So, you know, we got to think about that too whenever we're walking outside, you know, as soon as we're getting ready because it's going to get rough out there. Um, and then we also have our helmet of salvation to protect our minds because we all know that our minds can make us think all kinds of crazy things and then we react. So we got to keep our helmet of salvation on, our sword of the, of the spirit. To me, that was so big. Because if you think about it, he, you know, our sword of the spirit is the Bible. And when you go into battle, you need to know which way to turn your sword. You need to know if you need to pick it up, if you need to stab somebody, what you need to do. 
So, you know, that was big for me. And then the last was the shield of, of, uh, of faith because if you're holding your, your faith up and knowing that no matter what, God is going to get you through it, he's going to protect all the rest of you. Um, and so that was so big. And that was so amazing to know that we've taken this journey up until where we're going to now. So um, today we're going to be um, talking about being a game changer and what that looks like. And when I started really working on this, as far as like purpose, um, what it means to be a game changer, it means it's someone or something that affects the game very much. And that's, that's big. Like, I don't know if y'all didn't know today, but everybody in this place is a game changer. So I'm just, <laughs> so when I started thinking about that, it got me hyped up. I'm like, ooh everybody's game changer. I'm a game changer. Like, let's do this, right? Let's do this, God. And so um, that's what we're going to kind of go over today. And you know, whenever you get those thoughts right in your mind about like, I want to do something. I just want to do this. And you think it's crazy, right? Like you really start thinking about something that God has put in your heart and it weighs heavy in you. And you're like, people are going to think I'm crazy. Cause when you stand out, two things happen, right? People think that's that crazy woman with all the crazy ideas, or they, you become a trendsetter, AKA a game changer. And so, you know, that was something that, it's almost like there's a fine line between the two because, you know, a lot of people that are really even successful today, people thought they were crazy and they're game changers. They changed and it only takes one person um, so as I was doing this, there's different testimonies in the Bible that's going to prove about how you, these people are game changers and how God called you to be a game changer. Um, so as we get started, let's pray. If you'll bow your heads. Um, so today, Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you, God, for every person in this place, God, everybody listening. And I just pray, God, that the spirit will just overtake them, God, that they will be able to hear you so clearly with their spiritual ears, God, and no longer will they be accustomed to the things that have been holding them back for so, so long. So I just pray, God, that we have breakthrough, that we have discernment of things that have they been weighed and so in, like if they should do something or not, and that you just speak so clearly to their hearts today, God, that everybody will walk out here, that game changer that you have called them to be. Um, so God, I just pray that you stand up while I sit down and let it be your words, God, that come out of me and flow through me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Um, so the first person I want to talk about in the Bible is going to be Moses. And uh, we're going to be in Exodus 3, 1 through 6. And so um, I don't know if y'all know, but there's different translations of the Bible and so mine's in the message, which a different translation just means a different way you understand. Like, they word them differently. It's the same exact meaning, just worded differently. And so for me, me and the message have been the bestest friends. Um, but sometimes there's new translation, uh, the New Living Translation, and there's like the King James. I can't do that, guys. The King James. Thou I'm like, what? Who is talking, you know? <laughs> So we're going to start reading in Exodus 3, 1 uh, through 2 right now. And it says, the angel of a God appeared to him in the flames of a firing blaze out in the middle of a bush. He looked and the bush was blazing away, but it didn't burn up. 
Moses was shepherding the flock of Jericho, his father-in-law and the priests of Midian. He was led to the flock to the west end of the wilderness and came to the mountain of God in Horeb. The angel of God appeared to him in flames of a firing bush out Sorry, in the flames of a firing blaze out in the middle of a bush. He looked at the bush was blazing away, but it didn't burn up. So can you imagine, right? So Moses, like, I have like this whole, like, I just imagine everything in my mind. So I'm like, Moses is just like walking by, right? And then like, what? This bush is on fire, like, but it's not burning, right? And for some reason, I imagine it as a tumbleweed because that would be the weirdest <laughs> thing. Like, why is it not, huh? I, yeah, I guess that's why, right? Because they're everywhere, yeah. So I just imagine that, and I'm just like, can you imagine just walking by and was like, does anybody else see this bush, like, on fire? <laughs> and so we're going to read on. It says, Moses said, what's going on here? I can't believe this. Amazing. Why doesn't the bush burn up? God saw that he had stopped to look. God called him out from the bush. Moses, Moses, he said. Yes, I'm right here. <laughs> so like, okay, y'all, when I read all of this, I'm just going to tell y'all, like, it was so comical to me. Like, literally, I was cracking up for like a whole day. <laughs> so, so he's walking by, and then like the bush is now talking to him like, what? That's wild, right? That's wild. And then he's like, yeah, I'm right here. Like, can you imagine a bush talking to you? And you're like, they're calling you by your name. <laughs> I'm running. <laughs> but so we're going to read on. God said, don't come any closer. Remove your sandals from your feet. You're standing on holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face, afraid to look at God. Man, the bush is now saying he's God. That's, wow. So when I read that, oh my gosh, I about fell over. Because if y'all don't know me, I am a Star Wars nerd. And so like, I'm like, really read it like in Darth Vader's voice, like, I am the God of your father, you know, like the God, like I literally read it like that. And I was like, just rolling. I literally was calling everybody like, did you know, like I've read it before, but the way it hit me this time was just, oh my God, I was just rolling. So <laughs> y'all have to excuse me. And so, you know, like even like our humor, right? God gives us humor. So he's, he's a humorous God in case y'all didn't know. <laughs> so what happens next him and God have this conversation, right? And long story short, for if y'all don't know really what happened with Moses, he was, uh, they were actually out to kill. He was Hebrew. They were out to kill all the Hebrews that were born. So they sent, his mom wanted him to live. So she sent him um, in a basket in a river and the Pharaoh's daughter, which is an Egyptian, found him. And so he was raised in the palace as an Egyptian. He didn't know he was actually an Israelite. And so one day he is out in the chariot. They're out where all the Israelites are slaving. And they had at this time, all the Israelites were building different buildings and things like that, that they were slaves. And so he sees one of the Egyptians, one of his fellow Egyptians abusing one of the Israelites. And it just, he just can't handle it. Like it, 
it hits his heart, right? So he gets out and he tries to stop him, but it, he really just, he accidentally killed him. But it, regardless, everybody saw that. So now he's a murderer. So he runs away from Egypt. And this is now, this happening is years, years, years down the road. So he's gotten married and now he's, you know, he's tending to the flock and stuff like that. So now he's, and so now this happens, right? And so what happens next is God tells him, so, hey, what I need you to do is, like, I need you to go back to Egypt, and I need you to go free all the Israelites. And Moses is like, what? He's uh, considered a murderer. They all know him, and he was high-ranked up there because of him being part of the, you know, the pharaohs and all that stuff. He was like, so we're going to read now 311. It says, Moses answered, but God, why me? What makes you think I could ever go to the Pharaoh and lead the children out of Israel, out of, e of Egypt? Oh, children out of Israel. Yeah, children of Israel out of Egypt, sorry. Um, that has to be big, right? Because you imagine like you did something wrong. Now you have to go back to where you were at. And not only do you have to face all these people, but you have to be like, I'm taking all these people with me. He's like, mm, why me? Why me, right? And that's something that it really weighed in my heart. When God calls you to do something, the first thing is, why me? I don't know how many moments I've had like that personally, just, why me? You want me to do what? That sounds crazy. People are going to think I'm crazy, you know? And so I'm sure that we've all felt that way sometime when God calls you to do something or he's like put something weighing in your heart. You're like, I'm not equipped to do that. But see, here's the thing. He's, you're never going to be equipped for what God calls you to do. Never. The thing is, is because if you were equipped, you wouldn't need God, right? You wouldn't need God. So God is going to always give you something bigger than what you can handle because you have to go to him so you can get through it and you can do it. And so that was something that just stuck out. Like he has got to a big mission. And if you don't know the rest of the story, when he goes to Egypt, you know, he had all kinds of stuff that he, he didn't do it. God did, but they thought it was him, but he feared, you know, the Israelites out and he took them out in a big way. And it was big. Like, there's no way in any one of us would ever been equipped to, to do that. Neither was Moses. But you see, God chooses nobodies to, to be somebodies. And that's everybody in this church. Everybody that's listening, that's what God has called us. So that was something that really just really weighed. And I was just like, man, that is so good, God. So now we're going to jump into Chronicles to chapter 26. So we're going to read about Uzziah. It says, the people of Judah then took Uzziah, who was only 16 years old, and made him a king in the place of, in the place of his father Amaziah. The first thing he did after his father's death was bury to recover Ethel and Judah and rebuild it. So He was 16 years old and was ruling a nation. 16. Can you imagine your 16-year-old? Or if you've had a 16-year-old, boy, 
They don't even want to clean their rooms, take the trash out. The struggle to roll a nation? I'm like, mm-mm. I can't imagine that. That just, woo. So let's. So Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king and reigned for 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother was Je Jekyll and from Jerusalem, and he behaved well in the eyes of God, following in the footsteps of Amaziah. So what happened was there's a background story to this, of course, of everything, right? So Amaziah, which is his dad, he reigned for um, 29 years. So when he became king, he was only 25 years old. And the thing was, is he started his journey with God. He, um, he, he knew God and he went to God, but his heart wasn't completely in it. And it just, it turned into a hot mess. And we've, we've all been there. When you're not fully following God completely with every being of you, things turn into a mess. And so that's what ended up happening for him. The, the people of Jerusalem, they were like, you know what, this guy, he's got to go. We, we can't have this no more. So what happened was they were like, you know what, we're going to take him out. It's it. We've had enough of him. And we can't handle this no more. So they actually were going to go in. Um, they were going to they were going to kill him. And he heard word of it. So he's like, Shh, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm hiding. But we all know you can't hide from God. He sees everything and knows everything. So they found him and they killed him. And now the same people that just killed his father is like, guess what? You're the next contestant on the price is right. You're the king. <laughs> and he's 16. His dad was 25 when he became king. You had to know, like, there was a lot of pressure, a lot of, like, anxiety, worries. Because you, you just killed my dad, and now you want me to be king, and I'm only 16. My dad wasn't even this young when he became king. That's a lot to weigh on in a little person. I don't know about y'all, but that's a lot. So now um, we'll go to... He was a loyal seeker of God. He was well-trained by his pastor and teacher, Zechariah, to live in reverence, obedience before God. And as long as Zechariah lived, sorry, Uzziah lived a godly life and God prospered him. You see, he was never adequate enough to become king. And Zechariah was a pastor and God had showed him so many things. So of course, if you know that you got something big, God is like the biggest person to go to. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, right? And so Zechariah was his mentor to help him stay close to God and help him like, hey, we're going to pray through this. And because it says he was a loyal seeker of God, God allowed his life and God prospered him. That's big. 16 years old and was able to rule a nation successfully. And he ruled it for 52 years. Longer than his father because he was doing it the correct way. And so that's big. So like from this takeaway, like it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you have a 16 year old right now. And I think to myself, like how many ideas they could come up with and then be like, we as parents, sometimes we shut them down because we're like, you're too young for all that. Like, we ain't trying to deal with all that. You know, but 
what if you are raising a Uzziah? What if you are raising a Moses? You, you don't know who you're raising. And if you're that age and you have these things that God has set in your heart, you know, that it's time to stand up and take a stand because even if it seems completely ludicrous because everything that God gives us sometimes seems crazy, um, he is going to equip you for it. You can't equip yourself. He is going to equip you for it. So, you know, that's just something that it doesn't matter. You know, being that young, that's big. And so um, the next person we're going to jump to is Deborah. This is my girl, Deborah. So I'm going to be honest with you. I, when we read Deborah, I read her in Bible study um, a couple months ago. I did not know about Deborah. And uh, I was like, there's a Deborah. And everybody's like, yeah, girl. Like, I, uh, I was completely in awe with her. So we're going to run into Judges 4. And it says, Deborah was a prophet, the wife of Lemondoth. She was a judge over Israel at the time. She held court under Deborah's palms between Ramhan and Bethel in the hills of Ephraim. The people of Israel went to her in the matters of justice. Deborah was a prophet. Oh, did it go? Oh, no, sorry. Deborah was a prophet and the wife of Lebanon, but she was a judge over Oh, did it duplicate? I'm freaking out. Yeah, I think it did. Yeah. She, um, yeah, I think it did duplicate it for some reason. That's what I'm reading. So, sorry. So actually, this, this is big. Deborah is in 1200 BC, 1200, in the Stone Ages, when women were considered property. And she was a prophet. She was a judge over Israel. Like, that's big. They, this lady, was a, they equipped her to allow her to be a judge. And she was a woman. Sometimes, as a woman, you feel like you're inadequate because of certain things, or people want you to feel that way. And so this is a time when women were not looked upon. And so we're going to switch over to, I think it's, do we have any more after that, maybe? Okay, there it goes. It says, she went for Brack, she sent for Bakrak, the son of Embanum from Kadesh in Nepetal. And she said to him, it has become clear that God, the God of Israel, commands you to go to the mountain of Tabor and prepare a battle. Take 10 companies of soldiers from Nepetai and New Zebul and take care of getting, I'll take care of getting Surya, the leader of Jabin Arbi, to the Kenosha River and all his chariots and troops, and I'll make sure you win the battle. Woo. So Bakrag is a leader of an army. He's like a general. He's like the highest ranked, right? She's like, hey, so Sierra is the leader of that Jabin army, and she's like, hey, God has told me that you are going to win this battle. I need you to get your men together. I will get him and his men together and they will meet you at this place. And I'm telling you that, you know, once you, once you go there, it's going to be good. God is going to take over. He's made it clear to me, right? 
So this is what, what Bakrat says. Bakrat says, if you go with me, I'll go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. She said, of course, I'll go with you, but understand that with an attitude like that, there will be no glory in it for you. God will use a woman's hand to take care of Sarah. So he's already been told that he's going to win this battle, and he's still scared. And he's looking at her like, hey, uh, I mean, if you go with me, I'll go. But if not, like, I'm, I'm checked out, bro. I'm not, I'm not going. And I just can't help to think, like, a man in that statue, right? He is high-ranked. He is a leader of an army. To fall to the knees of a woman that's like, you know what? You already told me it's gonna, I'm going to win, but, like, I'm still not trusting, and I want you to go with me. And she makes it clear to him and telling him, like, hey, you know, if you go, you know, you know, I want you to understand that they're going to see that I'm there and you're, they're going to know that it's because of me. And I, I just want you to understand that. Like, she didn't want the glory and all that, but she wanted him to truly understand. And he was like, that's cool. I don't care. I want you to go with me. And so thinking about the time it was and thinking about how women were looked at and how this man, you know, submitted to her was just like, wow. Deborah was, she was a beast, y'all. <laughs> You know, everybody was like, that's the girl right there. She was, she was a judge over Israel and did justice for, you know, she, I mean, that's big. And so, you know, my takeaway from this is sometimes we feel, even as women, we feel like, uh, you know, we're in a position where we don't feel inadequate enough or we feel like, you know, men are going to think I'm crazy or they're going to look at me in a different way. And sometimes... We have to learn to stand up and stand out. And all these three stories, these people were just ordinary people that did extraordinary things. And, you know, it didn't matter, you know, that Moses was a lot older. It didn't matter that, you know, Ulysses was 16 years old. It didn't matter that Deborah was a woman. They, God equipped them for their position and their job that he had called them the, the purpose he made them game changers of the situation that they were called to do. And so many times, you know, I think about even in my life, how we get put like in this box, right? We put ourselves in this box because we don't want to stand out. We don't want to stand out because of what our, you know, our family's going to say, what our friends are going to say. You know, people around us are going to look at us like we're crazy. And I feel like I'm a witness to that because I'm always out there with ideas and things like that. But for so long, I was stuck in this box, you know, and felt like I can't be me and felt empty. And that's a lot of us. That's a lot of times we feel empty because God has called us to do something so much bigger than what we're doing now. Like, I'm like, there has to be more than just, you know, going to work, coming home, taking care of the kids, you know. When I was younger, I, I wanted so badly to have a family, and I thought, like, once I have that, I'll feel that fulfillment, and I didn't. You know, once I, you have kids, you're going to feel fulfilled, and it's like, no, you still don't. You know, and then it's like you get in a routine where every day is the same thing, and you're just like, there has to be more to life than just what I'm doing, right? And that's because, you see, God equips every single one of us to be game changers in a different mindset, in a different, 
you know, there's maybe something that he has called you to do. He may have called you to be a nurse. He may have called you to, you know, do something completely crazy, build something for somebody, and it's going to change the world and be a complete game changer. Everybody's going to know. But we got to stop being scared. We got to stop being scared of what people are going to say because, you know, I was thinking about how Jesus, the people that he, the town he lived in, people were like, you know, that's Joseph's son. He ain't nobody. He thinks he's somebody, but he ain't nobody. You know, like he really, they, he was Jesus. Like, what do you mean he's not anybody? You know, and so everybody is going to have, um, you know, you're going to have all kinds of adversity come at you when you decide to stand up for God and say, you know what, I'm doing this. You know, in fact, you know, I had been praying a lot and at one point in my life, and this was several years back, uh, I felt God calling my heart like, you know what, uh, I called you into ministry. And I was like, you called me? Like, are you sure? And I was so, so gone ho about it. Like, man, I had all this, you know, like just full of spirit. Like, and um, at the time I was married, but shortly after God had given me this, this discernment to know, like, this is what I've called you to do. My life didn't go like I thought. Like, I thought, like, this is going to be grand, right? But in fact, it was complete opposite. My marriage ended. Um, I had a lot of issues at home. My kids went through a lot of things. It was, it was completely opposite of what God had told me that I was going to do. And I'm like, this makes no sense whatsoever. And all of a sudden, for after 20 years, I'm alone. I'm dealing with things I've never dealt with. But God, you called me, and this makes no sense. And I had a lot of I don't know what you're doing moments, a lot of questionable moments. But to tell you that it's going to be a cakewalk, it's, it's not. It's not church. It's difficult, and it's hard. But when you start really walking in what God has called you to do, the things that you start feeling in your heart and in your soul can nobody take. You start feeling like a whole new person and you feel different. You have this joy, even in the midst of storms, and you're like, I don't know how you're going to get me through this. <laughs> you start feeling like you have this sense of just complete, just peace and calmness to know like, you know what? You took me through that worst, the storm that I thought was going to break me, but you know what? It grew me. And that is something that, you know, when God is starting to tell you, like, it's time for you to get up. It's time for you to start moving. Stop being in that box. I didn't call you to live your life in a box and then to die in a box. Like, what the heck? You know, he called us to be set apart, to be game changers. He called our children. We don't even know what, who we're raising. You know, we could be raising the next Deborah. You know, we have no idea who we're raising or what we're doing when it comes to our children or when it comes to us. And we have to be the example because a lot of times I have learned in, in my experience is like our kids, no matter what age they are, they mimic you. So if you're scared to get up and take a stand and say, you know what, I'm going to stand for God, they're going to be scared because they don't have courage because they don't see courage. We have to be courageous and say, you know what, even this seems completely crazy, I'm going to do it. Yes, we want them to be bold. And when we think about our kids, we're like, yeah, you can do it. You, I believe in you. You got this, right? But then when it comes to ourselves, we're like, 
No, we don't got this. And we gotta stop thinking like that. It's a mindset. So if you take anything out of all of this that we went through, this, this journey of all these people that were game changers in the Bible, take the fact that, you know, we were set apart. You, he used nobodies to be somebodies. And if they weren't in this book, they obviously were not, you know, important enough to be in here. And so you want that to be you, even if it's something small in your community. I actually watched a, I'm gonna leave you with this note before we go into worship, but I'm gonna leave you with this note. I was watching like one of those clips right on my, on my Facebook, and it actually was showing a woman that was in the, uh, I think it's called like Nightmare Kitchens with that Ramsey guy. <laughs> and uh, you're not gonna believe this. This lady was, she goes up there and she's like, I'm here and she's blind. She is a blind cook. And I was like, what? That's crazy. And you could tell the fear in her eyes. You could tell she was scared. And he was like, you're blind. And she's like, yeah, I'm blind. But I, I want to cook. And I believe this is my passion. And he was like, he doubted her from the beginning. You could tell he was like, she don't belong in there. But nobody has the right to tell you don't belong. Nobody. And she was like determined to prove to, to herself and to everybody that she belonged there. And she actually won. And as you see the whole journey of the show, you see her even crying through it. Because sometimes it's those tears that we have to shed to get through where we're going. But she cried through it and she won at the very end. And I was like, girl, you is so good. Game changer. I was like, who can cook? I'm like, she made dishes that I'm like, girl, I can't even cook with both my eyes. I'm just saying. <laughs> so if you take anything, just know, like, it's time to get out of our box, church. It's time to let go and to stop living just ordinary, boring lives. God has called us for so much more. I think about every person in this room that if you did what God told you to do, woo, I can't even imagine what Lubbock would look like right now. So it's time to take a stand. It's time to show our children, to show our friends. Like, let's not be scared no more. You know, let's not be scared to be different. Let's not be scared to stand out and be transcenders. And so we're about to go into a time of worship. Um, I'm going to pray us. Out, but as we go into a time of worship, the words that appear on there, God, I want them to speak to your heart so clearly, like let go and give everything to God and just be in his presence because there is nothing better than to be in God's presence when you're worshiping. It's just you and him. It doesn't matter that there's people in here. It's just you and him. So um, I'm going to go into prayer if we will bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for just being with us, God, and being in the midst of everything and allowing the Holy Spirit to take over. I just pray for every single soul here, God, that you just help them to just let go of everything they've been holding on to and to stand up for what you have called them to do. I pray, God, that you just move in their lives and this week and every day going forward and that you help them to have this boldness and courageousness that you have called them to do. So Lord, I just pray right now that you just cover us, keep us protected, and just be with us through the remaining of this week. 
God. We pray all this in your great and mighty name, I pray. Amen. Can y'all hear me? Oh, I forgot to mention, we're going to have a prayer team at the front. So if there's prayer that y'all need for anything, please, please come up. And we will have somebody up here praying with you to just give everything to God. So thank you. Y'all have a great Sunday.